You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Next up, we've got Michael Ashley and myself. Um, we actually took that form and rolled it up and jammed it into an iPad, so here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love the picture, by the way, uh, David, of uh, people filling out forms on the train track. <laughs> That's motivation for working quicker. I don't know what is. All right, so we're going to talk. We're going to try to go big picture. Uh, that's what I do, and I just want to begin by saying thank you. This is my first time at GBAC. I've heard wonderful things. I heard this is many people's favorite conference, and I'm finally glad to be here. Um, and thanks for Chris for chairing it. I also want to say that we have some presents for you. Um, I'm going to talk about some stuff and all the stuff we have: papers and training and whole programs for you um, that are available. If you're interested in anything, things I talk about, by all means, we have a little booth over in the little exhibit hall there. Um, so come on by. We also are uh, giving away uh, a raffle for an iPad, fully loaded, it's about $2,500 worth of kit. So come on over, and we're not joking, so please, that too. All right, so um, this is not a, any form of pitch. I am not a vendor, I am an archeologist. I care passionately about us coming, kicking and screaming out of paper and into digital for like the last 21 years. So I, I applaud the work of transforming the IMAX form so that it better represents Utah archaeology. I just want it to also not be paper. Okay, we have to move to, uh, there, it is time, as we'll say, uh, to really take a look at the affordances of digital. And my, ho my whole goal today in these minutes is to kind of set a stage for why that's really going to be okay. If you can tell by my gray hair, it's because I really care about this digital stuff. I am only 18 years old, but I, you know, it's, it's stressful. <laughs> so we started this thing called the Center for Digital Archaeology about five years ago. And one of the things I want to begin with is talk about the fact that while we can think big, many of the stories we deal with are really, really small. Stories that cannot be replaced, archaeological sites and monuments, of course, collections, but disappearing languages, ancient traditions that need to be told before it's too late. And stories told digitally are one way that we can actually help them to survive for generations ahead that will continue to sound like an oxymoron to people who are over the age of something, but I'm one of them, so I can tell you that it's really, it really is okay. Um, but here we are in the deep time, but also we're dealing with shallow information if we limit ourselves to paper. The problem is that as we look at the last 8,000 years of human history, this whole digital thing that's happening, it, we don't even know where it's headed. It, it is a scary new blue ocean of thinking, but it really is time. <laughs> so if that's not big enough for us to understand, I understand though that today I'm not gonna try to convince you that digital is actually cooler, but it's actually an imperative to produce what we would like to call a new standard, which would be born archival digital archeology. span And yes, we can worry about these things and we should. And digital preservation though is, is something that um, <laughs> organizations, organizations around the world, I've had a, lot of uh, great opportunities to work with over the last 20 plus years are taken very seriously. Um, we know also that the process of backing things up is not archiving, okay? So I always point out that it is, while paper will persist, the Library of Congress has a mandate for a hundred plus years of archival quality, it's only as good as the words that are written on the paper. So what, what we have an opportunity to do as archaeologists and people who care about culture is to think about how to make better data and then work together to make it safer. 
These are some of the issues that the Library of Congress has to deal about with challenges for digital data. But the, the NDIP, the National Digital Infrastructure Preservation Program, just retired this year because they think that their job is done. They think that we have arrived. That's huge. I've been following this for 15 years. So this is a pretty good mandate. But we have another challenge, and that is, and as, as, as we've been talking to you all, um, there's just so much stuff, <laughs> thousands and billions and zillions of photos and everything else. It's, just, it's a total nightmare, and we have to worry about replication, and every five minutes someone else comes up with a brand new phone. Sometimes those phones catch on fire, um, not going to name any names. And then we have all sorts of issues with security and privacy. At the same time, with scalability, we also have this issue. Um, this is Eric Schmidt from, from Google. This is now years ago, but 2010, right here, in, or right around the corner in Lake Tahoe, um, talking about this issue, which is, you know, we're talking about five exabytes a day. I don't even know what that is. It's a really big number of stuff um, in two days. So if we're not thinking about digital, we're actually not thinking about archaeology. It's our job also to really be thinking about this stuff, and that's what I take really seriously. And user-generated content. And I'm not just talking about Kim Kardashian and Twitter. We're talking about all of the stuff. Now, there are good processes for doing this, and this is what we've been working on for a long, long time. It, so without getting into the details, there are processes that can be done that can be practiced for producing archival data. But when we talk with people, the number one barrier to moving forward is, I just don't even know how to get started. I have no mandate for doing this. We're still doing things on paper for good reason, and all of those issues. So. This is what I'm calling the digital condition. If we're going to evaluate the quality of going digital, then we should be thinking about its efficiency, which is generally never a question. Um, but what about its reliability? Oh my god, if I drop my iPad in the, in the mud, it might explode. So talk to Chris. Um, productivity. Is it going to increase my productivity and efficiency? How about replicability? That's huge. There's a big issue right now. If you're, if, if you're in, the, in, in the Facebooks on this, this is a big deal. I'll contend that in digital, we have a much greater chance of doing that. And ultimately, my big, my big buzz, the archivability of all of this stuff. So archaeology, a long time, uh, thinking about these things. This might be one way of looking at what we all do, which is you know, we prepare, we write, we write proposals, we win them, then we go out and we do phase one, we walk around, we look at stuff, we see something interesting, we start recording that. We do interpretation and analysis at the same time, hopefully. Then we have to report it to people in a variety of different ways, sometimes a paper, digital, public, private, chippo, tippos, all that. And ultimately, it's got to be preserved by someone or some people. So this is, the, this is the matrix I want us all to help fill out. And that is, if we put all those on one axis, because we like to do that, right? And then we put all the efficiency and all those things on the other axis, how are we doing? The National uh, Center for Preservation Technology and Training had us do a survey of the adoption and barriers to adoption of 3D data. Not LiDAR, actually, but photogrammetry. And not this stuff, but architectural. And it turns out all of the challenges are still there. Um, but if we're not thinking about that, if we're not really thinking about the future, then we're kind of still jammed. Because, well, and with this lovely projector, this is you know, a two-dimensional drawing. And we could talk about all the two-dimensional drawings we love to do and the haves, hair, house um, requirements of physical drawings it's, a long, it's really hard for people, I think, like 50 years from now, to go from this to thinking about what happened then. So um, we've had some wonderful experiences and, and conversations already just here talking about what about video recording? What about 3D? What about drones? What about all these other ways of recording? 
we would like to say, well, what about these things? We, we, we focus a lot on digital field recording. It's going to show some cool stuff. But we also um, have been doing a lot of fantastic work around the world with um, traditional owners and thinking about traditional knowledge. I have permission to show this particular image from Leif Hillman. And what you're seeing is a white wolf that was in the Hearst collection for years and was finally repatriated. This is probably the, the most sacred thing that they use for dancing. It's an amazing thing. And, 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 and Leif wants that story told and conveyed. And this is the way that he wants it done, is digitally. Now, I'm just going to tell a, qu a couple of quick efficiency stories, watching my time today. Uh, one, um, I have a whole poster you can come see. I know that like, photogrammetry is the big rage now, which is fantastic. Um, but thinking about the incomplete and total paperless um, process, we produced about a terabyte of photographs in three weeks without a drone in Israel. Um, and we were getting some pretty astounding results. We had a process using a, t a total station with these wonderful uh, uh, photogrammetric bars. We could do the entire photography in about five minutes. And we were getting eight millimeter precision on a five meter excavation square. That's pretty astounding. And all those things are in real, real world coordinate space, so they could be dropped right into ArcGIS. So all of these things are totally doable. Hence, remember the present. So if you're interested in stuff, we have the papers, the recipe books, and all those things to share with you. Now, we all know that there's this wonderful hurricane happening over there near Florida right now. Oh, wait, also Haiti. Remember Haiti? That was like yesterday's news, I guess. Vinuatu is a, an amazing site in the South Pacific. And they have things like this happen all the time there. They also have sacred rock art and, uh, and, 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 and um, archaeology. And they also don't speak English necessarily. They have their own language. So the idea of building a, a site, an a website that could have different affordances of, of cultural protocols to protect that, that information, provide it in multiple languages, and make it accessible to these folks who are living in a place that's uh, ripe of earthquakes and um, all this other stuff is critically important. Uh, we're doing a wonderful project on the, um, uh, for, uh, the, um, for, with Cambridge University looking back at World War I. Images are being brought and, quote, donated by people around uh, the country um, to tell the stories of those that were on the fronts that everyone has already forgotten, like Egypt and Palestine. Pretty amazing. Uh, tangible heritage, but what about intangible? As I mentioned, we've done a lot of work with the Center for Digital Archaeology and others around thinking about uh, traditional knowledge, which I'm going to blast, unfortunately, past most of right now. But it, it is available to you. Um, uh, Lytic la language, in fact, it's a, it's a loaded deck. Um, so cool. We're good. Paper versus paperless. I want us to dare to dream just for, for a few minutes by providing I think something for the left and right side of your brain, so a little bit of qualitative, a little bit of quantitative. So some quick success stories. First, a project that isn't ours, but it was definitely one of the prime motivators for me to get into this whole thing, and that is Pompeii. So this is a fantastic statement from Stephen Ellis, who, by the way, did lose all of his physical paperwork when the very efficient garbage trucks of Naples took it off of his car, and he's in the parking lot, lost an entire year of all of his field work in the day um, because paper. So that, you know, it, it, it definitely cuts both ways. But what's really interesting is that they took um, iPads in, into the field in the pre-Cambrian area of 2010. Um, that's a long time ago, I know. Um, and were able to do this amazing recording and have realized that it saved them at least a year of data entry. 
They're never going back to paper. They're doing things that they never could have done before. We were doing it a while ago, back in 1997, we actually started doing some digital stuff. In fact, uh, we, you know, we did some aerial photography, old school style here. <laughs> we use, that's still one of the best devices ever. I love that thing. Uh, a Palm Pilot with a foldable keyboard. Isn't this cool? Anyway, uh, yeah, I've been doing all sorts of cool stuff. And we can now, what's cool is because we were careful about how we, we documented things, we can now use Agisoft PhotoScan and go back to these images we took back then and still get some pretty great results like forever later and produce physical volumes to do that. This is brand new. Uh, please don't quote this yet, but this Horvat Midras is a fantastic uh, site here in, uh, in Israel. This is all the stuff that they unearthed in literally three weeks. Um, and we're using what we call Codify, uh, a complete digital solution with on-site synchronization. They, they estimate that the field director just told me yesterday that they saved over three weeks of 10 people working eight hours a day digitizing all their site recording forms. That's a lot of time. Denver Museum of Nature and Science working on a project in New Mexico uh, took another similar form. So anyone who's working in New Mexico used the LA form. We produced this. That's completely done digitally. You can come see it in the booth, but also near and dear to our heart, all of our site overview images as well. Finally, the Mauche Japanese Relocation Center in Granada, Colorado. Um, we produced, uh, working with them, Chris came out as well, it's fantastic. They're doing uh, kind of a classic survey, and we kind of tried to reinvent the tally form. They're out doing these tallies, um, recording things, and then they can come in and they see something that's interesting of interest, and they can favorite it. But at the same time, every single one of these pieces of glass they're finding are actually being geolocated. It's pretty amazing, including the photographs. Producing something that doesn't work just for the archaeologists, but also produces a really nice record that can be shared in the museum. And with that, I'm going to actually say thank you. If you have more questions, or there's plenty more things to say, but it is time to go digital, so please do. Thank you very much. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.